Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora from the rafters of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, the Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. The trauma of losing a parent is a burden no child should have to bear. How do you explain to a little one that their world has changed forever? How do you as a parent process losing your partner while simultaneously managing the needs of your grieving child? Judy's House is the only freestanding organization in the metro area devoted solely to providing research-based care to grieving children and their families. Since 2002, Judy's House has supported more than 12,000 youth and caregivers toward their vision that no child should be alone in grief. Today, I'm proud to be joined by the CEO of Judy's House, Jessica Maitland Mayo. Good morning, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you for taking the time. The organization was started by Brooke Greasy, a PhD in clinical psychology from CU, and her husband, Brian, a former Denver Broncos quarterback who himself lost his mother when he was just 12. That's where the name Judy comes from. They identified the, the need for resources and support, not only in the immediate aftermath of a loss, but in long-term care afterwards. Mm-hmm. If you're open to it, would you be willing to share your personal story that, that led you to Judy's house? Oh, you bet, Dave. And first of all, let me say thank you so much for having us on and letting us have the opportunity to help more folks understand the mission and the work we do at Judy's house. We're thrilled to have recently moved into Aurora and just super excited to be chatting with you this morning, Absolutely. Dave. Well, yes, first and foremost, I am the CEO, as you mentioned, of the organization. I've been there for a little over four years, Um, the best job I've had in my life. I so enjoy serving a mission that has such a huge impact on families and grieving children and their caregivers. Um, I know we make a huge difference in our community. And to your question, I know that we make a difference, and I can say that also firsthand. Um, Really, what led me to Judy's house in my current position is because I have experience also as a former client. So um, my my personal story, um, actually 10 years ago this last June, my first husband died by suicide Mm. when my kids were um, seven and 11. And at the time I was working a stressful job in a large organization. And honestly, um, as all people who've experienced any loss and particularly a loss by suicide, it just turned our family completely upside down. I had known about Judy's house from the work that I had done in the community. They've done amazing things. Um, And I reached out immediately and my kids and I spent a full year accessing the support that Judy's house had to offer us. And it really made an unbelievable difference in the trajectory of not only my life, but, you know, most importantly, my kid's life. Um, As you can imagine, and anyone who's experienced this, when something like this happens, the loss of a parent, the first thing you think of is what do I need to do to help my kids be okay? And where do I turn for that support? And as you mentioned in your intro, there are not a lot of resources along those lines. So um, I felt immensely grateful that we had such a longstanding supportive nonprofit within the Denver metro area that I could turn to. I'm a stand-up comedian fan. Um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, comedian Patton Oswalt shared a powerful accounting of his story of grief. When he lost his wife unexpectedly, he called that day the, the second worst day of his life. The, the worst day was the following day when he had to tell his daughter and quote, destroy her world, end quote, as he put it, you've been in that unenviable position. How are you able to to quell even momentarily what you were processing personally to go into protective mom mode to navigate this gargantuan shift in your children's lives and yours? Oh boy, that's like the million dollar question. And it's 
actually a never-ending process. Yeah. I, you know, we talk about at Judy's house that the grief journey is unique to everyone who's going through it. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. And true, like, honestly, you kind of, for me personally, I set aside those feelings of myself and began to focus fully on my kids immediately. And I agree that that was the worst day of my life as well, having to tell my children that their father had died unexpectedly for them and how you go about doing that. And I will tell you, one thing I was clear about in those moments, because in our family, I I, I had a feeling that, that our, our story may end in, in where it had ended. So I made the decision to be honest with my chil- children right out of the gate and to do it in a loving, age-appropriate way for them to understand. But I decided to tell them the truth. Um, and that's one of the things that we work with parents and families around at Judy's house, helping, helping your family get your arms around the reality of what has happened to the best of your ability. Boy, I could talk about that forever. I think, though, really, for me, into that super mom protective mode, for me, finding resources is the way I've always solved my problems. And I was grateful that there were others who had expertise in that area that I could lean on and say, how do I do this? What's the right process? What's my process? Can we work through this together? Because it does feel like uncharted territory that comes upon you so suddenly. You mentioned something in an article published by the New York Life Foundation, looking back on your experience that struck me. You said, I watched as many people became silent around us, and as a result, we retreated farther into our new cocoon of three. It's gotta be a lonely feeling to be the grieving family. From the outside, there are no words that seem sufficient to be of real comfort, no offer of help that doesn't feel pandering or empty. Simultaneously, you don't want to ignore it or act like it doesn't exist, but it's hard to know how much to engage either. Uh, How can those of us who haven't experienced these traumas be better at lending meaningful support to those who are? That's such a good question because honestly, and thank you for that quote from the article, um, that is truly how we felt during that time. And I have wonderful friends and supporters, but I think a huge Part of that is people are afraid of making a mistake yeah. in their ways that they're going to support you. They don't want to do it wrong. And it's something that we as a society, grief in general and loss, I don't think we do a great job talking about it. So when someone has lost a loved one, it's hard for those around you to step into a space and feel sure of what they're doing. So it kind of goes back to part of our mission at Judy's house to help the world around those who are, who are grieving be more grief informed and give tools and resources and tips and ways to lean in. I'll say personally for me and a lot of folks who come through Judy's house say this, it's hard when everyone says, what can I do for you? Because you really don't know what you need. Right. Um, and I know for me, something that was helpful and for many that I've talked to is those friends and family and folks who just come up with the things that might be helpful, like showing up for a conversation, showing up for a walk, offering support with household chores in the early days. Instead of asking, um, what do you need? It kind of puts the pressure back on the grieving person mm-hmm. to come up with, oh, I can't come up with the solution. Right. I have no idea what I need. So just kind of jumping in with whatever you might think be supportive. And truly, I think not shying away from speaking about the loss. I mean, letting letting the person lead with how they want to talk about it, but also saying, I'm here to talk about it and not, not ignore it. Is it a fair assessment to characterize grief as something that you don't come through, but you learn how to manage? Oh, boy. Um, most certainly. I think one of the best analogies I've heard that resonates for me, and once again, it's so individual for everyone, is kind of the analogy of a wound. 
you can put a Band-Aid on it, you can you can address it, but over time it will hurt less, but you'll always have that scar. So in a way, I think you are forever changed and the grief process evolves with age. And when we're talking about kids, as they change developmentally and move into different stages of their life, there may be new what we call grief waves that come with that. A great example, you know, my son at age seven could only understand so much. Yeah. and. You know, when he came to the time where there are some milestone moments, whatever that might be, learning how to drive or, you know, a first dance at school, those types of things, those moments where when you would think that your father would be there and they're not, it can bring up new new issues. So I think for us, we talk about grief. It's not something that you are over or goes away, but something that you evolve and grow with and and through and kind of reconstitute yourself around throughout your entire life. Of course, there is refuge in empathy. Does Judy's House provide a sense of catharsis through being a community of kind of a shared experience? That is exactly at the core, Dave, of the work that we do. So our mission is all about providing the opportunity for people to find healing through grief, through connection with others. So connection is at the heart of what we do. And really, you mentioned Brooke and Brian in the beginning are amazing founders. We would not be here without their unbelievable vision for this organization and then their support. And Brian really using his platform in the NFL to bring awareness to this cause and get this amazing nonprofit started. Um, but if you think about our founding, Brian, he talks about losing his mother to breast cancer when he was 12 years old. And when he looks back on that experience, he felt incredibly alone, that he was the only little boy in the world who had lost his mom. And his idea was really, of course, um, in partnership with his amazing wife, Brooke, was to create a space where kids could sit with other kids who had had similar experiences so they didn't feel alone. So not only do you have a licensed clinician and volunteers with you helping you process and working you through our program. The real beauty of the work is that you're sitting with others who've had a shared experience. So in my family's example, you know, my daughter was 11 and my son was seven. So my daughter sat in a room with other kids who were around 10 to 13 years old who had experienced loss by suicide. And my son sat in a room with other kids around seven who had a similar death loss experience. And in their worlds at the time, my daughter was in Girl Scouts, my son in lacrosse, they felt shame and stigma and embarrassment to bring up the fact that they lost their dad by, by suicide and to come to a place where you could sit with others and realize that there are others who had a same experience. That by itself, I think propels you even farther on the path for potential healing because you feel not alone. And as humans, that's at the essence of how we heal and how we connect, that you're not alone in the journey. And I think, you know, there's so much that we do that is research-based and informed and we evolve our practices over time. But really that simple piece brings so much healing for our families. Nonprofit leadership requires a unique blend of passion, vision, and organizational acumen, but could you describe your journey from patient to then becoming the CEO of Judy's House and, and the values that guide your leadership? Oh, that's a, a great question, David. I think for me in my career where I was, I had spent 20 years, well, actually more than 20 years in the nonprofit space, and I had decided to take a break and I was not working and I was deciding what my next moment in life was going to be. And honestly, I was debating if I wanted to go back into that sort of 
it can be stressful arena of work. Or did I want to do something like sell flowers <laughs> at that point in my life? <laughs> um, and I really hadn't decided yet. And I was kind of taking a moment to be with my kids more fully, um, gratefully remarried to a wonderful man. And I was just sort of taking stock of where my life had landed me. And I learned that this position was open. And I literally sat on it for three weeks because I wasn't sure if I was ready to go back into that environment. But on the other hand, the opportunity to work for an organization that had literally changed the trajectory of my family's life and to be able to serve a mission that I know with all of me makes a true difference. What a gift that is. So I I applied. I was grateful to be able to land in this position. And I, I feel so lucky every day that I get to serve a mission that means so much to our entire community. And I think part of my leadership style, um, the nonprofit is amazing. And as a nonprofit, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary last year. So we're now in our 21st year. So kind of in nonprofit maturation, we talk about that being kind of early adult. So it is all about long-term sustainability for our organization. What we provide is essential. And it is so important for us to ensure that our policies and practices and how we show up in this community ensures that we not only have been here for 20 years, but will continue to be here for the future of all those children and families that will rely on us. Our research tells us that the numbers are growing. In Colorado alone, one in 13 children will experience the death loss of a parent or sibling by the time they reach 18. If you look at that in terms of sheer numbers, our recent data says that's about 96,000 kids in Colorado. Across the nation, it's one in 12, which means about 6 million kids across the nation who are grieving. So our work is critical and essential, and it is incumbent upon us to ensure that we have the resources and a talented team and the infrastructure to make sure that we are there over the long haul. Could you go into a, a little bit uh, some of the, the services and the programs that Judy's <clears throat> House offers and um, you know, specifically to the grieving children and their families? You bet. I think what we're best known for is our direct service. So that is the programming that my family and I took advantage of. So what we're best known for is a group counseling model. Our program is called Pathfinders. It's a 10-week program. And really our requirement, we are about supporting a grieving child. But if there is a grieving child, then we really wrap our arms around the entire family. So for example, my children were grieving, and so that means their entire family could come and access their services. So a 10-week program facilitated by licensed clinicians, that makes us very different than most of the grief models across the rest of the country that are volunteer-led. Um, we found a long time ago that kids showing up with grief can really have some red flag or um, significant issues that require serious cl clinical support. So having um, our staff be able to meet our families where they are is something that's important to us. And I'll say also significantly adds to the cost of our programming because really salaries are the highest element um, within our budget. But direct service, we do group counseling. We also do individual counseling, play therapy, couples therapy, a whole host of um, interventions to support a grieving family. And that's what we're best known for. Um, once a family completes that 10-week Pathfinders program, there's an option for them to continue on in our Connections program, um, which meets a little less frequently but uh, and a different curriculum is delivered, but still the same opportunity to connect with other families. And I think one of the other things that makes us really unique in that programming, as we talked about, is it's a sad fact that the need for our services is so high that we really can delineate on any given night 
based on death loss experience. So not only you're sitting with other folks your similar age as a kid, but you're also sitting with other families who've had a similar death loss experience. So we have one night that's devoted to suicide and overdose, and we have other notes, an- another night that's um, dedicated to anticipatory death or sudden death. So there's also that shared experience that can be even heightened. So um, our direct services, I think what we're best known for, and the other thing I like to underscore is all of those services are provided at no cost to our families, which is an unbelievable resource. Anybody who's ever paid for counseling, a very expensive piece of the equation. And for a family who oftentimes has just lost one of the breadwinners, you know, finances can be one of the challenges. So for us to remove that barrier to care and just say, show up, and we'll meet you where you are and you don't need to worry about this piece is a tremendous gift during that time. Yeah, I think it's important to, to amplify that. Judy's the House offers these services at no cost thanks to donors and investors. Um, why is it so important that these services remain cost-free to families and, and how are you able to sustain that? Well, I think it's incredibly important that it is cost-free because it removes, as I said, one of the barriers to care. So figuring out how you're going to afford, your, oftentimes families are reworking their budget, giving up other things, working through all of those scenarios. So if we can take that off the table, it's just one less thing for families to worry about. And you are right. This goes back to the piece of long-term sustainability for our organization. We do rely on the generosity of the amazing donors within the Colorado community. And it's something that we are immensely grateful and something that we're constantly cultivating. So love these opportunities to say, you know, there's lots of ways to get involved, whether you're volunteering, whether you are a financial donor, um, our monthly giving program is awesome. We have some great events throughout the year, an annual luncheon coming up um, at the end of September, which is a great way to get to know the organization. And of course, grants and foundations support us as well. But that takes ongoing work as well. So spreading the the word about the need for our services and the critical importance of, of what it means to really face those um, issues that come up within our organization. With respect to privacy, can, can you share any stories or moments that have made a, a, a big impact on you personally that kind of reaffirm your mission with Judy's House? Well, of course, Dave, the biggest one is my own. So I think about that every day. Um, I will share with you just being within the home at Judy's house. If you ever come for a tour, and we'd love to welcome anyone for a tour. Um, On Fridays, we don't have clients in the building, so that's a great time to do that. Um, One of the things we do within our programming at week 10, we're very ceremony-driven at the end of the program. And one of the things that families do is they come together and they make a quilt square in honor of the person who has died. Um, And that quilt square is then given to volunteers who stitch that quilt together with the other people who were in their Pathfinder program. So there's a quilt that results from each Pathfinder program over the many years that we've been in existence. I think we're approaching 200 um, quilts or more actually throughout our facility. So honestly, for me on a daily basis, when you walk through our halls, our, our walls are covered in quilts of families who have experienced a death loss experience and have been brave enough to access our support services and go through our programming. You see the faces and the stories and the intimate recollections of families who have lost a loved family member throughout our entire building. In I, I think for me, it brings our mission alive at every moment to, to see 
you know, all those who've come before us. And that's a huge part of the symbolism of Judy's house. We try very hard as we have a family within our walls for our care to tell them they're not alone, not only by sitting with others in a group, but also all of that imagery around them. If you see the quilts of those who came before you and know that, you know, others have walked this path, it, it kind of hopefully can bolster you and share that you too can walk this path. Others have done it. And, and we're proud of the courage of the families to come forward and walk that path as well with us. What a powerful symbol of remembrance and then also connection to a new community that, that you're a part of. Yes. Uh, grief is such a complex and deeply personal experience. I, I imagine, yes, you can provide guidance and tools, but it's a journey each person has to navigate in their own way. How does Judy's House approach tailoring its support to meet the diverse needs of the children and families that you work with? That's a great question. And I think, as I have been saying, I think the the honoring piece that everyone who shows up is showing up with their own life experiences, their own death loss experience. Um, I'll be honest. I mean, one of the things we are really candid about is there's a lot of assumptions around death that maybe people show up grieving and it's a loved one and everything was happy. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes families are grieving someone that they have anger or resentment or it was a difficult and complex relationship. Yeah. And this is why we also keep all of all of our work in immensely private and shield the privacy of our clients so that people can feel free to express the whole gamut of emotions around grief. And they aren't always, you know, the feelings of having lost a loved one. They can be the complexity of, you know, closing a tumultuous relationship. Mm-hmm. And how do you go about that? So, you know, one of the things we talk about at Judy's House, we actually don't talk about losing a loved one. We talk about losing your special person. So it's okay if you show up and you are angry that someone died by suicide and they left, or you are upset by the complexity of your relationship. So I think we try very hard, and this is also goes back to long ago when we placed clinicians into these roles to meet our clients where they are. Folks are human and they show up with a variety of emotions and thoughts and feelings and reactions. And for us to meet them where they are, whatever that looks like, and walk them through what their unique healing journey can look like and just be with them on that road. I think that's one of the things that makes us unique. I'll say too, one of the things we're really grateful for, our recent move um, from Denver to Aurora. Um, We love where we are located right now. We're just a couple blocks from the Stanley Marketplace where we are today. Um, And just to the south of the Central Park neighborhood and just to the north of a very old Aurora neighborhood. So we love kind of the metaphor of where we're situated right now. We're surrounded by very different kinds of neighborhoods, um, different socioeconomic backgrounds, all kinds of diversity. And for us, that feels like this beautiful place to reposition our work because it really is a metaphor for what we see within the groups that show up at Judy's house. Our, our groups are always incredibly varied and diverse. Um, and one of the beautiful things about our work is so many times families sit in a room with others that maybe they wouldn't have the chance to do this type of deep work with and make lifelong connections and find the connection through grief because it is one of those unifiers in life that binds us as humans. It seems as though mental health and awareness and treatment is, is starting to get the focus it deserves and grief support specifically is ever evolving. How does Judy's House stay up to date with the latest research and best practices to ensure that its services remain effective and relevant? 
That's a great question. We are under the direction of an amazing woman by the name of Dr. Mickey Burns. She's our chief clinical officer. I am so grateful she's been on staff now for 11 years. That's an amazing tenure in an organization that's 21 years old. Um, I think our staff is really at the heart of the excellence in the work that we provide. We have unbelievable clinicians who work for our organization because they believe deeply in the work that we do. As a counselor today, you have so many options, and the folks who are attracted to work at Judy's house are in love with our mission, and we're incredibly grateful. And I think, you know, the other piece that I will bring up um, that is different about Judy's House and goes back to the services that we provide, in addition to the direct service that we talked about, we have this other arm of our organization that was founded in um, 2014 called our JAG Institute, um, which is really all about evaluation and research. So one of the things we started saying is we've de we've delivered this um, program that is evidence-based and we feel it's delivering the best the best product for the clients that come to see us, but how do we really know? And how can we determine its efficacy? So we, um, we founded this um, JAG Institute in 2014, and one of the purposes was really to create an arm that could help with the evaluation of our programming to determine, is this working? Are our outcomes correct? What do we need to tweak? How do we evolve? So really bringing data and research and um, all of the practices that encompass being a, a, a data-informed organization. So I know that that has helped us evolve continually as well. And the JAG Institute also has said, as we talked about earlier, one of our goals is to help the rest of the world around grieving families be more grief-informed. So we realized that the data that we needed around rates of um, bereavement and pre prevalency of bereavement were things that were helpful to us and also could be helpful to the rest of the field. So. We've become known across the nation as the supplier of that type of research and data that can help other organizations like ours. 21 years in, more than 12,000 served. Can, can you share some insights into the challenges and obstacles that Judy's House has faced in its journey? And, and more personally, what, what have you learned during your time with Judy's House? Oh, my goodness. Um, Which I'm sure could be a three-hour answer. <laughs> it really <but>. could. <laughs> I will say... You know, there are always challenges and obstacles, yeah. and I think running a nonprofit comes with all of its own issues. It feels like our needs and desires, we aim big at Judy's House. We have lofty goals, and we're not afraid to have lofty goals, and that's how we've been able to grow into the organization we are today. And with lofty goals, you need to continue to increase the support from the community and the understanding for the need of what we do. You know, resources are always an issue. Mm -hmm. Really expanding our donor base is key. I think, frankly, if I'm speaking frankly, because you're asking me the question as a CEO and thinking about the things that keep me up at night, I think in Denver right now, the cost of living is so high. Yeah. And keeping pace with salaries and keeping pace with inflation, you know, as an organization that doesn't have something to raise the cost on and pass on, that makes it tricky. So we're constantly, and it also keeps us smart because we're constantly having to evaluate what brings the most value for our clients, what is truly most needed, where do we invest? And when we think about expansion, you know, we, we want to focus on our employees. We want to make sure that they feel supported. But I think like many business owners these days, those are some of the challenges that we're all feeling. And your question about me, I mean, boy, what a journey. I joined the organization in 2019. And I had all these goals and, and and thoughts of where we would go. And then, of course, like so many people say, the pandemic hit. 
Honestly, I will look back on my time at Judy's house. I'm so proud that I was here during that time. We heard from our clients during the pandemic that they did not want to go to a virtual telehealth model. Once again, that piece about connection, it has the most meaning when you're sitting in a room together. So we found creative ways. Our 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 staff was amazing to not shut down, to not fold, um, to continue delivering in-person services. Boy, we did some creative things like tenting our backyard (laughs) for confidential groups. you know, all the things that you do. So we remained, you know, in existence and then underwent an amazing capital campaign, built a new building, moved to Aurora, um, have shifted really what I feel into this next era of our organization. We are set up for success and ex- and excited about where the future is going to take us. Uh, look into that crystal ball for me, if you would. What, how do you envision the, the growth of Judy's house and, and, and its impact and And what are some of those strategic goals that are on the horizon? That's a great question. You know, I think there is so much potential. We talked a lot about direct service, but one of the things that makes us truly unique in the field are those other components of the work that we do. Um, The education and research, um, I'm sorry, the evaluation and research component is huge for us. And one of the things that we're working hard to do is kind of package that work and bring it to other grief centers across the rest of the nation. Right now, through a grant with the New York Life Foundation, we are working with many other grief centers to use our research to help them with their strategic initiatives. Our thought is if we can elevate all grief centers across the entire country, it will make the nation as a whole more grief informed. And that's what we want for grieving children. If you look at our vision, our vision is that no child should be alone in grief. There's no way that we can achieve that by seeing everybody within our our walls and our organization. So outside of the direct service, what can we do to change the world around grieving children? We can help others be better at their work through all of our research and evaluation. And the other thing we can do, kind of the third pillar of our work, is around education and training. So we also, within our own communities, take grief-informed training to first responders, to schools, um, doing grief programming in middle schools, um, talking to nurses and doctors, you know, frankly, anyone who will have us to really raise the bar around what grief is and why it's important to really make sure that we don't leave unaddressed grief on the table and that we are supporting everyone who's grieving within our community. So looking ahead, I'm excited about seeing how we can grow that national presence and help others be better at their job as well. The, the social and emotional well-being of children and families has gained increasing attention. Your organization, though, is it reactive to those experiencing grief? You're proactive in raising awareness about the importance of grief support and mental health. Can you talk a little bit more about some of those outreach efforts at Judy's House? Yeah, you bet. In fact, I'll use myself as an example on this one. So when I learned that my husband had died by suicide as Um, As some of you may know, that is an in-person visit by a police officer, and they brought with them a victim's advocate, and she was amazing. And even though I already knew of Judy's house from my work before, one of the things she did with me is sat down, I'll never forget, she had this manila envelope, she opened it up, and she brought out materials about Judy's house. And she said, I know it's hard to hear right now, but here's a place you can go when you are ready. And looking back, I mean, that, that happened because of our outreach and education. So we try our hardest to connect with hospice organizations, hospitals, funeral parlors, churches. I mean, frankly, anyone who who will have us to really get our information in the hands of those who may be working with families who are going through difficult loss or impending loss or or even loss that is years later and a family still struggling and they need resources and tools. So I think 
you know, we are open to all sorts of modalities, but I will say, you know, one of the things we learned during the pandemic, um, we got pretty good at doing some online presentations. So we also do some online learning about grief within schools that schools can actually add to their curriculum that's pretty easy as a one-time, one-hour moment. And really, we're constantly expanding that area of our work. You've touched on this a little bit, um, but what are some of the ways that folks listening can get involved with Judy's House? How can they support your mission? You bet. A great way to learn about Judy's House, if you're curious, is come take a tour. We'd love to show off our brand new building that our donors helped build here in Aurora. Um, And we have a constant need for volunteers. We talked about our Pathfinders program. One of the nice things we do before we do group group work in the evenings is we serve a home-cooked meal within our facility. Um, So we are always looking for volunteers to help with food preparation and serving a meal in the evenings beforehand. It's also a great way for a small um, donation to begin to happen. It's not necessary, but underwriting the cost of those meals is also a, a wonderful help. We have a large facility, so volunteering around our facility. We have a lot of teens that do that type of work with us. Um, so there's a ton of ways to get engaged there. Also some more long-term volunteer opportunities in terms of working within the groups over a year. So on our website, there's a lot of different volunteer opportunities, and that's a great way to get a glimpse of the work that we're doing. And also we are always looking for additional funders and strategic partners in the community. I mean, I think even just this conversation today, we've had a great relationship with the Stanley Marketplace and our new neighbors in Aurora. And what are ways that other nonprofits and other organizations can partner with us to elevate the understanding of bereavement and find ways for us to support each other's missions. So lots of ways to get engaged and really just being aware that we exist so that if you know of a family or if you are a family that needs support, no no matter how long you are into your grief journey, knowing that we're here and we would love to be of service. What are you most proud of as CEO of Judy's House? First and foremost, our team. We have an amazing team that has seen us through some very challenging times. And I'm proud. I'm proud that we came through the pandemic and we are stronger on the other side. I'm incredibly proud of our new facility. Um, We had a successful capital campaign during the pandemic, which was itself a feat. And, you know, I think really, though, I mean, those things come to mind. But when I truly sit back and think about Judy's house as a whole, I am immensely proud of the families that seek our services and have the courage to do that hard work and make the time to look at what healing can be within their family and get the tools and resources to help them be stronger on the long haul. It takes an immense amount of courage to show up in your most vulnerable moment and thinking about those families. You know, you said more than 12,000. I think literally this week we haven't updated the number. It's now more than 13,000 individuals have come through our doors. Think about all those stories and all of those families that are working to repair. That's Those are truly my heroes in thinking about what's possible within our community. Jessica, thank you for the light that you bring to our community and thank you for the amazing work that you and your team do at Judy's House and and thank you for taking the time today. Thank you, Dave. I love getting to talk with you. Really grateful. That was Jessica Maitland-Mayo, CEO of Judy's House. You can get involved and learn more at judyshouse.org. By the way, that's J-U-D-I. You can also follow along on Facebook at Judy's House Denver and on Instagram at Judy's House. Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75 plus hotel properties with 13,500 plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space, including Colorado's 
largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250 plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.